In today's gospel reading from the 14th chapter of John, Jesus was preparing his disciples for a time when he would be leaving this earth. He had been with his disciples, of course, for a number of years and prepared them for this moment, but now it was that moment. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves." Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Jesus continued, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, because He abides with you, and He will be in you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Before I get started this morning, I'd, I'd like to share with you congregational sympathy or with Jerry Lawson. Jerry's wife, Fran, died this past week, um, a longtime member of this congregation. Her funeral will be this Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary. And congratulations to Bo Lambert and his family, his parents, Amy and Harris, who are here today. Um, Bo will be baptized following worship today, and so we celebrate we celebrate that occasion when the church can gather to baptize. So, congratulations. Well, happy Pentecost. <laughs> happy Pentecost. <laughs> Maybe it's easier to say this. Happy birthday. Yeah, for many, many years, for many folks, for centuries, Pentecost has been the birthday of the church, so it's certainly appropriate for us to wish one another a happy birthday when the Spirit sort of became a part, so much a part of the church that, that it birthed within these disciples, these early followers, a, a, an eager desire to spread God's love, to spread God's Word with all of the world. So, we regularly call it the birthday of the church. Pentecost, the third major festival of the church year, it's alongside Christmas and Easter, admittedly not as popular. Uh, I mean, which means there are not going to be any Hallmark cards or TV specials for Pentecost. We know that. Certainly nothing like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. But at Pentecost, nevertheless, please don't forget, we celebrate something we could never do without, the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our communities, in this world. After all, 
Uh, history is filled with stories of how the Holy Spirit has guided people to a better place, revealed to us a, 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 a sense of purpose, guided us through stormy seas especially. And this is as Dietrich Bonhoeffer described it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran theologian in World War II who had to, who had to figure out how to, to stand against the powers, the evil powers of Adolf Hitler and, and did so, but it got him thrown into prison where he would be executed just weeks before uh, liberation. Nevertheless, Dietrich Bonhoeffer on Pentecost Sunday in 1940 said, said this, we must learn to trust the Holy Spirit in every decision and believe strongly that the Spirit will be at work among us, which is what I'd like to spend a little bit of time on today, truly believing in the power of the Holy Spirit and learning to trust her voice. But how? How can we be confident that the voice that we're hearing is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's wrestle with that a little bit today. And to do so, I'd love for you to open up once again to Acts chapter 2. It's the reading that we started worship with today. Acts chapter 2, it's in your bulletins or perhaps in a Bible that you brought with you. But let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of, of our hearts, may it be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. An image comes to mind of a little eight-year-old girl in Winchester, Virginia. She was on our son's Car Carter's soccer team, and they were playing their first match in Whittier Park, just a few blocks out of downtown. Krista, you remember this moment? I know you do. Carter was the goalie, and this little blonde-haired girl was on the defense. But truth be told, soccer really wasn't her thing. As it turns out, when the ball was on the other side of the field, she would use that long chalk line in front, of, in front of the goal as a balance beam lost in her own world. She was an Olympic gymnast, twisting and turning, hopping, literally hopping on one leg. But the image I remember most is when the other team was starting to move the ball down the field towards our goal. The only stand, thing standing between it and a score was Carter and this little girl, except that this little girl had no clue what was going on. She was still twisting and turning on her balance beam. Her mom could see what was happening. The rest of the fans could see what they were happening. She was calling out her name. The, girl, the crowd was roaring. And she looked up at her mom and began to wave and to smile and then back to her routine. Carter yelled out at her other parents too, but she was oblivious, listening to some other voice as the ball slipped behind her into the goal, of course. I'm not sure if she ever knew what was going on in that game. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to discern the different voices that are always around us. Which ones should we listen to, as it turns out? Which ones should we ignore? Well, that's where Pentecost comes in. The day of Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, of course, when Jesus was raised from the dead. In between that time, the disciples, you know, those who had spent so much time with Jesus, the disciples now, they were in hiding for the most part. I mean, why? Because the Jewish leaders called them blasphemers. The Romans thought they were a threat to peace. So, they feared uh, for their lives, and, and many of them hid throughout most of those 50 days, some in hideaway places in Jerusalem, some left town. Now, Jesus had, of course, Jesus had appeared to them 
Uh, and Jesus had encouraged them, no doubt. So it wasn't that they were giving up. No, huh? they were just confused and they were increasingly afraid. Especially now, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and in their minds, well, they were now alone. But all of that changed on Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday, as it turns out, already a Jewish festival, when Jews from around the world were gathering together in Jerusalem. That's why in verse 1 it, it reads, if you take a look, they were all together in one place. It, both, both sort of means both that all of the Jews had gathered together in one place in Jerusalem, but likewise, the, the, uh, the disciples and followers of Jesus had gathered together within their one little place, a home, as it turns out, in Jerusalem. Sort of, sort of like at Pops at the Post last night. Anybody go to Pops at the Post? Raise your hand. Yeah, you should have if you missed it next year. It was a great occasion, beautiful night, lovely weather. Everybody was at the park, but spread out in different locations, different places. The disciples were with everyone, but they were in their own home, someone's home. But then suddenly it gets a little crazy. Verse 2, this is what we always hear of and think of when we think of Pentecost. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A, a, a hurricane maybe? A tornado? I mean, I don't know what that could sound like. Maybe like our first thunderstorm of the season last week, if you remember that, it was in the middle of the night. Our dog did not like it one bit, <laughs> shaking, cowering in a corner, waiting for it to be over. Was it like that? Maybe. Maybe so. Except for me, at least, I would think of it more, this idea of the rush of a violent wind I, is more like just a noise, loud noise maybe, but that's competing with all the other noises around it. I mean, it was already chaotic in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a relatively, old Jerusalem at least, a relatively small place, and there were thousands of people who would gather for festivals like this, far larger, let's say, than a Cheerwine festival, right? I mean, this is a big event, big gathering, thousands of folks around, the sounds of people, songs, kids playing, vendors in the marketplace, cell phones, video games, Spotify, Netflix, Sports Center. I mean, just all the noise that's surrounding them and, and surrounding us, competing for it, our attention, each pushing out more and more information for our brain to digest. Collectively, it's just like the rush of a violent wind. We know what that feels like, right? I mean, you and I, uh, we live in an era when the amount of information available to us, it doubles every 13 months. There's more new content that's created in the last two years than in the entire history of the human race. It's hard to wrap your brain around, but it does beg the question, is it possible to hear and to digest all of that content? Can we digest all of that information, all of that noise? Well, of course not. So, what will you listen to? Wouldn't it be great to have something that filters it all out, or at least filters out enough of it so that you have clarity over what's most important. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit brings us, clarity, if you'll make room to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid in the 1970s, 
Cincinnati Reds dominated the National League in baseball, widely considered this big red machine, widely considered one of the best, most dominant teams in history. Even though I lived in Columbia, South Carolina, at night I could pick up the AM station in Cincinnati that broadcast all the Reds' games, and I'd fall asleep listening to, at first, Al Michaels, and then later, as you know, Marty Brenneman doing play-by-play along Joe Nuxall. I remember going to camp one summer at Lutheridge, and a pastor asked in a Bible study uh, what we listen to as we fall asleep, we kids, you know, and most everybody said, oh, the radio, and I said, oh, Cincinnati Reds. (laughs) He suggested that we turn it all off, which I thought was an absolutely stupid idea. (laughs) But later on, I realized that his point sort of makes sense. That in our lives, filled with noise, you know that, right? Your life from beginning of your day to the end, it is filled with noise that's always around us, noise that can sometimes be loud, sometimes soft, sometimes music, sometimes the noise of outdoors, sometimes just the noise of people, of clutter, of stuff, but it can sometimes feel remarkably chaotic, right? Chaotic noise constantly surrounding us in our lives. We have to make room for silence, which was his point, because that's when we can actually listen intently and purposefully. That's when we can listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I must admit that that thought has stuck with me the rest of my life. My need to intentionally make room for the voice of the Holy Spirit, a voice uh, we may not hear unless we listen, a voice that wants to bring you clarity, a voice truly that wants to bring you peace, a voice that wants to bring you purpose, but a voice you cannot hear unless you make room for it. The disciples were gathered together in one place, all of them. Why? to make room, thanks be to God. Yet another reason, by the way, why the gathering of God's people in worship, why the gathering of God's people in prayer and in study, why it's so critically important for our lives, not just our lives of faith, but our lives as humans. Why? Because it's here where we make room. We make room to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Without it, the voices, the noises that surround us It can become so confusing. In 1993, the government-controlled radio station in Rwanda began to deliberately brainwash the majority Hutu community against the Tutsis, which was a minority grouping or tribe in Rwanda. You might remember those brutal years of the early 90s. The Hutus were the majority tribe, the majority group of people in in, Rwanda. in Rwanda. The Tutsis were a smaller minority. So through this over a year of government-controlled radio propaganda, uh, there was intentional messaging filled with errors, filled with stretched truth, filled with outright lies. It was a constant voice of anger that would build uh, suspicion and build just greater and greater cynicism because of this idea of some conspiracy that must be, that must be going on. Uh, over time, it fueled so much hatred, though. It filled so much worry against the Tutsis. The Hutus were loaded down with, with worry that something was getting ready to, to happen. And so, on April 7th, 1994, the radio station then announced that it was time. 
It was time to fight back, for these Hutus to fight back. And in an instant, finally, they were given permission. These Hutus throughout the country were given permission to slaughter the Tutsis. Finally, given permission to pull out their machetes and their pickaxes. People throughout the country began to kill one another, their neighbors, even members of their own families. 800,000 people were killed in a matter of 100 days in this genocidal moment in Rwanda. It was brutal. And it was all because the voice of hate and fear drowned out the voice of peace and clarity. There was little room, don't you know, very little room for the Holy Spirit's voice to be heard. But on that first Pentecost, they heard. They heard. And all were amazed. Verse 12 tells us in today's reading, all were amazed. I love this word, by the way, amazed, because in the original language of the Bible, it has a double meaning. The word is existanto, which means to be filled with terror, but also to be filled with hope, which seems to me precisely where the Holy Spirit wants to bring to us a glimpses of hope in the midst of terror and chaos, of a world that can feel out of control, glimpses of hope. So, verse 12, they were filled in the midst of their chaos, right? They were filled with hope, hope that gives birth to courage, hope that gives birth to boldness, hope that reminds us of the power of God. It's interesting because this very same word, existanto, is used when Jesus healed the paralyzed man, and the people around were existanto. They were filled with with hope in the midst of craziness and terror. When he raised that girl from the dead, existanto. When Jesus calmed the storms of the sea, the disciples filled with existanto. When the woman went to the women went to the tomb on that very first Easter morning, existanto. They were amazed even though they had no clue what it all meant. But here's the interesting thing. It's also used in this reading when Peter, on the same Pentecost day, when Peter stands up and he preaches to this crowd, as it turns out, Peter, you remember the last time we heard from him, he, he denied even knowing Jesus. Also, all of a sudden, Peter, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit with this boldness, with this courage, Peter stands up and offers the first sermon in the Christian church, and so powerful was it that the whole crowd was existanto. They, they were amazed, and three thousand of them were baptized that day. It was incredible. It was a kind of amazement that gave Peter courage to proclaim the gospel in a remarkably powerful way. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for you. And that's how you can know if it's the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because that voice and that voice alone, friends, will always fill you with hope even in the face of terror. It will always fill you with peace, not fear. It will always fill you with love, not hate. It's a voice that will always build up, not tear down. And more than that, it will encourage you. It will be your advocate. It will be your strength to bear that same hope in your life for the sake of the world, for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of the other, to be that bright light in the midst of what sometimes can feel like utter darkness. 
Last week, we spoke about another spirit. If you were with us, we spoke last week of hasetan, which is an Old Testament word where we get the word Satan, but really the word simply means the discourager. It's another voice that is within you that's always trying to trick you, trying to confuse you, a voice whose purpose is to separate you from others and to separate you from God by filling you with hatred and fear and suspicion. It's a competing voice, make no doubt, and it is fully present in this world and in our lives, no doubt, a voice that can be incredibly tempting if we let it. But you, brothers and sisters, you make room. Make room for the voice of the Holy Spirit to bring clarity to you so that you might know the difference. Each Pentecost, I'm reminded of the story of my German professor at Lenore Rhein. I know, look, I've been here 13 years, and the risk of that is that you get to hear the same stories over and over again. <laughs> but this story I always remember at Pentecost. It's the story of Werner Keller, Herr Keller, who was a young man in the early 1950s. He was our German teacher at Lenore Rhein, but in the 1950s, he was living in communist East Germany. You remember that part of our history? His family's farm had been confiscated, and the economy was collapsing all around him. By that time, a fenced barrier with a million landmines land had just been constructed between East and West Germany. His parents and grandparents told him that he had to leave. They weren't being permitted to leave. They were locked into that area, to that, to that region, to East Germany. But by their own minds, by their own thoughts, in that particular moment, at least one of them could leave. They had carefully mapped out a plan of how it would happen, but they all could not go together. It was way too risky. But one could. One member of the family would be able to escape, and they had chosen him. They'd have to do it alone. The night he left. He remembers the tears, but he also remembers his father's final words as they gathered for prayer. God's Spirit will go with you. He followed a path that had been given him, always traveling at night. The final hurdle, however, was to cross a river, but if he crossed it, he would be in safety. But guards, they were posted up and down that river to make sure East Germans didn't escape, so he risked it. He knew it was a risk, but he sunk into the water and he swam. It wasn't long before he began to hear gunfire, but he kept swimming. The noise of the gunfire drowned out by his father's voice in his ear, repeating over and over again, God's Spirit will go with you. And Professor Keller told us that story on the last day of class you could hear a pin drop. Sure enough, he made it to the other side, a free man now. He eventually made his way to the United States, became a German teacher, married a beautiful young lady, but was never able to see his family again. Regardless, whenever he told that story, he was quick to credit the power of the Holy Spirit guiding His path. Today, we pray for you, all who have gathered today in this place, that that same Holy Spirit 
might guide your path, might give to you clarity, might help you to, in the midst of so many voices and confusing messages surrounding us, might bring you to a place, a knowledge, a love for, an appreciation of the powerful voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives in this place. Amen.